Welcome everybody to Rendezvous. Um, today we're going to talk about justice and, uh, or I want to kind of think about, think it through, um, and, uh, share some thoughts, dig into it. So justice basically being what should happen, I guess, or, and when what should happen happens. So you're like, yeah, that's justice. You know, what should happen happens. Um, we say that's not justice, you know, justice is over. There's some other abs uh, ideal thing which isn't being met. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think basically in a nutshell, I think, um, you know, people say life isn't fair. I actually, I don't agree with that. I think life is perfectly fair actually um, on, a, well, I think it's both like most deep, probably any deep question. Um, the answer isn't yes or no. It's both yes and no. Um, that includes any boundary, like, you know, ultimately all boundaries are, um, <laughs> hypothetical because <laughs> everything's just one, one soup of energy or consciousness or whatever it is, the being of existence. Um, so all boundaries, um, both saying both to a deep question, um, is basically, uh, ac acknowledging a boundary while transcending it, like saying, yes, that's useful in a certain level of analysis. So yes, I have, you know, a torso and then limbs and a head, but, um, but yes, there's just one body, you know, it's not, um, which is it? Well, it's both, you know, um, or am I made of chemicals or am I made of elements or both, you know, I'm made of elements and then they're combined into molecules. They're combined into like organs, um, you know, so there's different levels you can analyze it at. And it depends on what con the context, which level is more appropriate to analyze it at. Um, so, and then sometimes say examples of where that could come intersect with justice is it just pops into my head here is um, say like, Oh, this person is doing, is it there? Um, someone's done something wrong, you know, like say some white guys, you know, killed some um, ethnic minority in America or something. Is that a symbol? Uh, does that prove there's this white supremacist culture or does that, is that just like one person? What's the right, point of analysis is it the individual or the collective you know that you know um but uh so you know so, certain times it would be both like say nazi germany some guy does that okay well yeah the collective definitely is like white supremacist um as well as that particular individual but um i would say america isn't white supremacist in general but um anyway so uh i think life isn't fair clearly on some level there's so much so many bad things that happen and so many things which just, you know, feel just so wrong and you think them through and they, they, you know, they're still wrong, you know, it doesn't make any sense. It's not good. Um, but, uh, and basically it causes suffering, um, needless suffering and especially suffering for people who, um, are kind of, you know, I guess more or less people who are doing what we should do. People who are living in harmony or abiding by natural laws, the laws of nature, which basically is love and harmony and creativity and, um, the flourishing of life, more, a more bountiful life, um, letting things evolve. And, you know, there's some room for cooperation. Sometimes, Hey, you're in my turf. We've got to like have a little battle for space. That's natural. But, um, in general trying to maximize, um, the flourishing. So that means not just being like a cancer, not, oh, it's just me and I'm going to grow as much as I can. No, try to create something interesting as a whole, you know, 
And that takes a certain amount of sacrifice of your own, some things you might want, but, oh no, but if I let that go, we can all have this better thing. Okay. Um, and I think, you know, basically in a nutshell, justice or injustice would be a, like when people are being, um, it's not just like people being harmed, but when people are being, um, cause you might say, oh, you know, someone's, um, uh, there's an avalanche. Would you say, oh, that's an injustice. How dare that mountain, you know? No, it's kind of like when you feel like there's someone who has the ability to encourage harmony and they are for some reason not encouraging it. They're going in another way. They're seeking a good, which is exclusionary. Um, and so, yeah, but I think um, I'm going to sing a little song, which I'm going to make up um, or someone's going to make up uh, on the spot um, about justice and then going to get into basically why do I think that um, justice is uh, like life is fair actually um, and uh, the perfection of life, the justice. And then also the, to what, in what way it's not fair um, and kind of get into the thing of, you know, discrimination, oppression, these kinds of things, but also kind of talk about de little interesting details. I think of sometimes people have, they're on the right track, like, yeah, we need to deal with this problem but then they've got the wrong solution or their solution is itself in, in just unjust, you know? Um, so, um, and, um, I guess, yeah. All right. So, and then, uh, and what else I did write some notes this time because I want to do it justice, which is an interesting phrase, meaning I want to make it as good as it can be or as good as it should be. Um, so I guess it comes back to when what should happen happens. Um, so, yep. All right, cool. Justice, just is, just is. Just is, just is, is just this. Ooh, just is, is just this, that whatever should be will be and is hold high and holy what comes into the world and unfurls its wings to fly anew justice just is Justice, justice, whatever should happen to be, whatever is, justice. Take that whatever 12 ways you want. Um, so let's see. Um, yeah, there's a quote from the, the Buddha, old mate Siddhartha Gautama, which is... Um, Amazing, where it's something to the effect, back, tiny note, 
When I say the Buddha, a lot of people imagine some sort of angel or something, or someone who's not real, but was, was a real person. Um, there's all this incredible philosophy, which is like, it's like um, some engineer, the level of uh, Nikola Tesla appearing thousands of years ago. Where are all the giants whose shoulders you're apparently standing on? Someone like that, but just in terms of wisdom in general um, and giving sound, sound advice silent silent advice as well um uh it just appears out of nowhere so you know and there's a historical record as well but like so um anyway so not some magical angel cloud of mist um also not some huge fat man made of gold that was like the chinese as far as i understand it the chinese symbol of abundance because you know it used to be hard to get fat you have to be very wealthy and so, you know, very skinny, poor people being, oh my God, it's hard to get a, make a living in, you know, against the ravages of nature. They would be like, oh man, some, imagine like being really fat, you know, that's the symbol of like extreme success. Right. And so I guess the wisdom of the Buddha kind of found, um, so the Buddha wasn't some fat dude, as far as I know, um, but, uh, I believe he was just, you know, and the Malaysian kind of Buddha, or like just the, the normal actual, not just Malaysian, but the normal Buddha things you would get say in India or um, other places uh, it's like a slim, just, you know, balanced body or whatever. But, um, but the, the abundance of his wisdom, right. Came to be considered like, Oh yeah. Big fat man laughing, you know, as far as I understand it, that's, that's what the, the story anyway. So the Buddha is some guy who's called Siddhartha Katama and he's very, very wise. Um, and uh, he's got some amazing quotes. If you ever just look up, you know, Google images, just Buddha quotes and there'll just be like, starry sky with like some quote or whatever blow your mind blow your socks off um and uh, there's one something to the effect of when you realize how perfect everything is you will tilt your head up to the sky and laugh from your belly or or, or something you you tilt your head up and laugh at the sky um something like that um and uh which i thought was just so beautiful like just like what can you do with your laughter? Just, you know, the maximum mirth possible is just to give yourself to the sky and just like sharing your laughter to he with heaven. Um, but, uh, and you know, how perfect everything is, not just when you realize that everything is perfect. And usually we think of perfect as an absolute, you know, it's perfect. Can't be more perfect than perfect. Um, but he said how perfect everything is which I think is kind of uh, dissolving the boundary kind of thing itself. Transcend transcendent language is kind of coming from this other dimension beyond the strict boundaries that like kind of intellectual thinking can put up. But I think he's trying to kind of communicate or almost like a poetic sense where there's some twist of language where you're breaking a rule, but it's kind of adding a certain other type of communication. Um, for example, like another thing would be, you know, before Abraham was, I am or whatever that thing is, where it's talking about, you know, from the Bible, I guess, um, kind of talking about um, kind of the, the eternal dimension of like the present moment saying, you know, so it's mentioning the chronological time before Abraham was, I am, not I was, but like I am. So kind of, kind of trying to get the reader to understand like, or the listener like, oh, there's this time is an illusion, right? And, it, or it's both. It, it's a phenomenon, but it's an illusory phenomenon. Um, so the Buddha is saying how perfect everything is, you know? Um, and uh, I think it's kind of my reading of that 
it's kind of uh, basically there are it seems like on the surface oh life's not fair there's all these things that shouldn't be happening and they happen um but then eventually you start to realize there's a way out of that say buddhism it was like the buddha called enlightenment the end of suffering literally he just he's like like what's this enlightenment thing you're talking about the end of suffering you suffer right or you're, you're perfectly happy you're perfectly relaxed all the time hmm interesting most people aren't what about you gary what about you john kelly uh Anne? what about you know uh no i'm pretty fucked up you know um and uh so you know oh, okay we're suffering um yeah the end of that that's what he's talking about um and so oh great news there's a way out of it you know out away from all these bad things but then you kind of get to a point where you realize oh wait a minute i need those bad things to be able to make me get to the the good things so it's kind of good in a way the bad things also or you might or you might go oh the bad things you know i want to stay away from them so that gives me motivation to kind of stay to the good things all right so they're kind of good in that way also and you might start noticing some kind of extrinsic things that are good about the bad things. And then, um, uh, you know, you, you might start to notice, well, wait a minute. Um, imagine everything was fine from the beginning. There's no bad things. What kind of stories could you have in that environment? Like, you know, um, Matthew walked in here, you know, went in his spaceship, you know, wherever he wanted and he met whoever he wanted and he did whatever he wanted. And okay. Uh, then what, you know, it's kind of like to have an interesting story. You want that balance between, you know, um, yin, yin and yang. Um, and just like music goes between order and chaos, a bit of surprising things changing. Ooh, what's that? What's going on now? That kind of refreshes it and keeps it interesting. Same with almost everything. Um, you know, your friends uh, who, you know, you, you love and they love you and you share your interests, you have a good time together. Um, having a little argument every now and then can actually make the overall thing better. Um, not like you should seek it out, but maybe you should be open. It's almost like, this is just an example that pops into my head, but being able to negotiate those differences and even be able to get um, angry at each other or walk away or whatever. And then you come back like, hey, hey you know, you know uh, are, we, are we good or, you know, um, you could see that that could actually enrich the experience of a friendship where you're like, yeah, my friendship can take that. It can hold that, that that could actually, then when you're having a good time, both you can relax because you know, Hey, yeah, if we don't, you know, get annoyed at each other, right, that's fine. We just, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Like that's nothing to be afraid of. We've dealt with that before. Um, and also you can enjoy like the, this greater contrast, you know, no sweet without sour kind of thing. Like if you've had those or people who have been very depressed when they're just, regular happy they appreciate it much more maybe than people who just have had easier lives um so to speak um so you might start feeling yeah like, okay actually the, the bad if there was no bad then it would kind of be no good like how would you enjoy the good it wouldn't really be and so you can start to appreciate on that that there's an intrinsic good to the, the bad and then uh also like um, I uh, did an episode on suffering, why suffering is your friend, uh, which I think is literally true. Although it tries to mess you up. It's kind of a complicated relationship, your mind. You have to be very, you want to be like, you know, they say uh, the mind is the perfect servant, but a lousy master. Um, so yeah, you want to be um, uh, the, the the top in that relationship. No, um, you, uh, but uh so, you know, 
of course, I think suffering, you know, you want to live your life. It's, it's not very pleasant. It's not very healthy. And, you know, count many people are suffering. And this is kind of what we're talking about here. Like um, justice, we'll get into that. Like what, it, you know, why is suffering bad or like what, how does that connect to justice? Um, but, uh, but yeah, so alleviating suffering, good idea. Um, well-established. You think it through, log basically think it, I think if you think it through logically, you come up to either 50, 50, yeah, it's about as good an idea as not doing it at, at the very least, uh, take, you know, trying to alleviate suffering. It's at, le it's at least as good an idea as not alleviating suffering. Um, and then there's all these intuitive reasons and traditional reasons saying you should experience says good things happen when we alleviate suffering, bad things happen when we don't. And okay. So the evidence, the weight of evidence is um, definitely in favor of, and even a nihilist, I think, can't, doesn't have any arguments against any valid arguments against that. You know why? Just, but it, we'll get into that a bit later. Um, but yeah, so uh, I think so. Uh, it's good for the story. You need the the negative to have the good. In you know, you need polarity. Um, however, I think also yeah, like suffering teaches us um, and allows us to grow, allows us to evolve. And so that in that episode, I was kind of talking about how, like, I had this realization at one point um, where I kind of just had this sense of like, yeah, the, the perfection of everything. It was kind of overwhelming. Like, wow, everything's just incredibly, like the justice of this system. I had this image almost of like um, overlapping, interlocking, um, uh, concentric or um, spheres, you know, um, just like wheels within wheels or something just these um, but uh, but there's just these balances of phenomena flowing between opposites you know you've got for every phenomenon a phenomenon you've got you know the virtue in the middle like courage and then you've got the vice of deficiency and the vice of excess so not enough you're, you're a coward too much you're reckless and oh you're gonna you know make do things that are silly and foolish um, too much you know kindness is a virtue too much and you maybe you're you know um too much kindness i guess yeah you, you could be um coddling people or you could be um uh not protecting people around you or yourself enough not um not independent enough um uh, too little and you're you're mean um you could say spineless also for too much kindness um but anyway like these phenomena just like every phenomenon you can imagine um just being experimented in through every moment by all these different sentient beings and all these inter interacting, interloping, interconnecting, flowing situations through space and time where uh, all these scales and um, continua of um, phenomena uh, are being expressed and experienced and just that we learn interacting, multiplying uh, addition and multiplication of these phenomena and division. I don't know. Um, but, and it just had this sense like, Oh, it's incredible complexity. Um, but it seems like there's this overall order to it, this justice in that basically anytime you're out of line or someone else is out of line, um, it creates, you know, conflict and it creates imbalance and that is going to eventually cause suffering. And when suffering gets 
significant enough, people notice it. Um, and then when it gets even more significant, um, people are forced to like, okay, I have to deal with this. And to deal with it, they will like breadcrumbs, they will follow the trail back and kind of find where it came from. Um, and it, it leaves, you know, clues and you can retrace the path and kind of go, oh, this happened because that, and then that had happened because of that. And then because oh, I think that happened either for one of these three reasons, and you look into them and you can start to find things where eventually, oh, I was out of balance here, or that person was out of balance there. So what does that mean? What should I do? Or what should, should I tell them? Is it maybe they need to change something? Um, or maybe I need to not hang out with that kind of person or whatever it is. And so you and others, if they're doing it, and if you're communicating together, um, can learn these lessons, which you would never learn if you didn't have that alarm of suffering, kind of like, you know, the, the thing when you're going um, off the road, like, whoa, whoa, I'm going off the road. You know, like a stupid thing, making that noise. You're like, no, thank God. I was apparently I was going off the road. So suffering is basically telling you where your lane is, you know, and like, hey, this is the balanced way. This is the happy path, you know, um, the path of wisdom uh, and well-being. And uh, so when you realize that, it's not just that we need to have an interesting story and an interesting life and adventure, that you need polarity and you need good and bad, but also that in order to grow, um, suffering is our greatest teacher. And um, Sakat Tolle says, you know, suffering is the one spiritual teacher everyone has, even if you think you're, you're all, you know, the most nihilist cat in the alley, you know, um, uh, try to dodge your suffering, you know, I don't think you can until you uh, accept it and you embrace the present moment. And that's spirituality, basically, like Buddhism, just notice how being attached to outcomes like oh i basically um wishing you could control what you can't control as epictetus would say manual for living you know being like oh um i can control this all right and then i do what i want great or i can't control this and I, and i okay then you need to go okay i can't i'll just let it go you know i can't control it um but basically suffering comes from um being attached to uh what happens. So, oh, I don't want this to come. And, oh, I want that to come. Um, it, that's, and then here's the thing where an example of the boundaries of language where the answer is both. It's okay to have desires. That's something which confused me. And uh, maybe mm, I'm not sure about Buddhism, like back in the day, because I was like, but it feels like it's good to have desires. And, you know, you want to have a life and be here and have a story and an adventure. And I think it's true. There are um, desire, you can have healthy desires and aversions. Like, I don't want that. Um, but the key is, um, kind of like a Venn diagram, right? So, um, the, or maybe it's like a circle within a circle, actually, it's like, there's the circle of desires and within that, there's the circle of desires where you are accepting the present moment and that's the healthy ones out. So the small circle within the circle of total desires, the smaller circle, which is those desires, which are you know in alignment with the present moment like i'm not resisting or rejecting or denying the present moment like, okay yeah this is what's going on and yeah i'm not i accept it that's you know and yeah i understand okay i'm with it i'm still going to try to control whatever i think i i can control and i think i should control yep for sure oh i'm going to change my shirt i feel like changing my shirt do it go for it what's the harm you know or oh i think i want to go talk to that person um or i want to go you know do anything okay you can do it, do it. Why not? Um, so long as, 
and this is where it gets into justice. I think your and like Mill, John Stuart Mill's idea of like you know justice, like the golden rule, or it's more deeper, much deeper than that, I think actually. But the golden rule, basically, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, um, and so or treat others the way you want to be treated, um, and uh, but basically then there's this overlap area of your again we could use Venn diagrams as a metaphor. So your circle of freedom, there's someone else's circle of freedom. And sometimes they overlap where you can't both express your freedom. So then you have to figure out, okay, within that, how do we sort that out? Now, that overlap space, let's take that and create a new Venn diagram for it. All right. There is, um, how would that go? That would be, um, there is the overlap space, um, uh, where I guess my will should trump yours. Like, you know, it was basically, you know, it's more uh, very clearly it's in my, you know, yielding to my interest is the best way. Like I'll get more benefit from that and it's more reasonable and it's better if we ma uh, make that a general principle for society, it's better say, Oh, you're smoking on the street and I'm here with my baby. You're like, okay, well I can just fall back or I can go a different way or, you know, or I can ask you, would you put that out? You know, um, and so, you know, instead of saying, all right, no one's allowed to smoke on the street near babies. And then we have to have police going and surveilling everyone. That seems like, okay, no, probably yeah, I'll yield to you here. I'll just fall back a bit or I'll go ahead of you, overtake you, or I'll go a different road or whatever. Um, or I talk to you and say, Hey, would you mind going to the other side of the road? Or would you mind putting that out? Or, um, so, and then there's other situations where, flip side it's like okay no um i should yield to you um so i'd say that's our circles uh so our circles of my what i want and what you want out of that overlap area right now the overlap of these two circles i guess would be where it's it's um it's not clear wh whose interests should prevail right um and it's not reasonably clear and then i guess that's where maybe the, the law and tradition and just random chance and hope for the best comes in um, or when in doubt, be generous and be kind and think, is it necessary? Is it, is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Usually that's good for when you're saying things, but I guess it applies to doing things as well. Um, so anyway, this would be the overlap of your wills, but we got into this cause we were talking about, um, what, uh, I think, um, suffering and what makes you happy oh whatever it doesn't really matter actually i don't have to go <laughs> i won't retrieve that one from where it is um so but the, what's uh so we mentioned like the bad like suffering you know it's good because we need it to have the drama of existence so it's actually you can complain all you want but you know you'd be complaining if you couldn't complain you'd be complaining if um you didn't have any negativity um well yes it's a bit of a paradox but um i think yeah like uh you actually um if you zoom out you can see that this is built into the nature of stories and yeah maybe we don't want too much chaos and suffering too much you know but in general you can understand that this overall as a presence in the universe it's actually a good thing you need it for the stories to happen and to have that variation of the good guys bad guys how can love triumph if there's no opposition, if there's no bad guy, you know? Um, and uh, how can you, if you don't have the freedom to choose to be bad, then what does it really mean to be good anyway? Um, 
And so you can see, you can have this overall existential infinite good, the good that has no opposite, but then to have the drama of and the experience of the play of opposites and the freedom to choose to go the wrong way and then to come back home or or whatever um, to truth and love, that this is a beautiful, wonderful thing, that we have that ability. Um, and then also the second point of like that suffering teaches us. Um, so that's kind of why, yeah, I think life is actually fair. Everything that happens, there's all these terrible things. People have disabilities, people, um, you know, you're born with it or you, it happens to you. Um, people have relationships that go bad. Um, people don't get what they want. People are sick. People die. People are robbed. People are persecuted. People are discriminated against. Um, people fail. People miscommunicate. People make mistakes. Um, people are narcissistic. People um, betray each other. People are faithless. There's all these, um, yeah, awful experiences. But first of all, notice that those that darkness makes the light of their their opposites all the all the more luminous. So all the virtues, you know become much more beautiful and worthy and virtuous by virtue of vice um, because of the their opposites um, through the existence of the, the darkness. Um, so we have to reconcile those opposites and um, kind of, uh, yeah, like understand how they unite there. Um, but these things are, you know, they are there in the world. And so I think, also, you know, it's going too far to be like, okay, so everything's perfect. So just do whatever you want. And, you know, oh, well, you know, I'm a Buddhist billionaire. And yeah, I think everything's just like consciousness. Everyone's immortal, eternal life. Like um, they don't realize it. maybe a lot of these people, but like, yeah, we're souls and we're, we're just, there's no, we're not going anywhere. We are the universe. There's nowhere to go. You know, uh, where would I go? Detroit, uh, you know, um, and so, oh, okay, there's, so that means I can just play this game and I think anyone would do it in my position where I'm just going to like, you know, make myself king of the world and just build this empire. I really want to build a bunch of spaceships. I'm just going to like, you know, these people or whatever, they're doing stupid lives. They're just watching TV and, oh, and it doesn't matter that they've been led and shepherded into that for social control over decades of social engineering. They're into it anyway. Um, and a small minority don't get into it and they kind of find their other way. But so maybe them, it's different, but in general, everyone, yeah, whatever I can sacrifice them. Well, their bodies, you know, it's just like a video game. You know, I can just sacrifice them to my enterprise of building a global empire and building my spaceship fleet. That's what I want to do. You could see that you could take that in a bad way where you're like, um, Oh, everything's fine. Everything's perfect. Therefore I can just do whatever I want. So there is a balance there, right? Like, and again, it comes to the Venn, you know, the diagram thing or understanding um, the value of other people's sovereignty and other people's experience um, and how, uh, you know, other people like the, the most, the greatest glory you can achieve is to share glory um, and to help others have their own triumphs and their own adventures um, and to understand that me having 2x worth of adventure um, is not as great as myself having 1x and someone else having 1x adventure. 
together that the same amount of pleasure, joy, experience, you know, um, shared um, is actually, well, I would say, yeah, you know, sharing that is much, much more glorious than zero X for them and two X for me, you know? Um, and yeah, so that try this gen, the greatest, um, yeah, I think victory can have as if we're, we're sharing victory and we're allowing all kinds of, you know, imagine all the nations of the world flourishing and prospering all the families of the world, like doing their own thing. They're not all the same. Some of them fight and shout and break glasses and, you know, don't even like each other sometimes. And some people leave and then others are, you know, perfectly harmonious. Others are somewhere in the middle and, but it's all part of the, the flow of things that goes on, but everyone's got enough food. There's not insane amounts of trauma and, you know, terrible crimes going on. It's kind of a more reasonable drama and there's, we're in um, alignment with nature and, you know, there's technological flourishing and amazing miracles that we are creating through technology. And yet it's not overtaking our humanity and our, our connection to nature and hum ourselves and spirit. Um, and, you know, imagine like this beautiful world, like that is way better than like, you know, some incredible experience for like a, a tiny elite, you know? Um, and you could argue that for logic, again, logical reasons, but also just intuitively like logical reasons, like, I guess, um, there's going to be, um, some by sharing it out there. Like we just know through experience, the economics and you know, all kinds of things that when there's um, a network effects, it, um, there's synergistic effects. Um, and, uh, the sum is the great, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And so if you have a community, um, that's how human, human beings took over the planet, you know, because we are decentralized networks, um, but we were able to work together. So we were able to outcompete all these animals, which are faster and bigger than us and stronger than us. Um, so um, that would be a more logical argument for why, okay, yeah, having um, spreading wealth, you know, uplifting the whole world is far more glorious. And, you know, um, if you want to use that word, it might resonate with, I don't know. I think it's a certain end of the spectrum or you can say more beautiful or whatever, um, or more beneficial, um, than just a more extreme, um, achievement for a small, a very thin sliver of people. Um, and in time, the ironically, you know, by sharing it out, it's going to, you know, give it away and it comes back to you kind of thing, which applies to say spirituality and cling to it and you'll lose it. Um, and in general to things, um, Although it's both are true, yes and no, um, in different contexts. But uh, by sharing out, you know, prosperity of the world and helping encourage the whole world to develop, then over time we will have a far greater prosperity um, and flourishing than you could ever have by just cultivating an elite at the expense, like a parasite at the expense of the rest of the planet. Um, but then, so that's a logical argument for you know being nice. <laughs> um, but then also just intuitively, of course you know, the image of the whole planet flourishing compared to a small elite, you know, um, you can see like why, you know, you might say logically like, oh yeah, I'm the Buddhist billionaire and everything's fine. Everything's just consciousness doesn't really matter. And this is great for them. They're going to, they're suffering, they're learning, they're going to learn through this suffering. It's great for them. I'm basically putting them on a diet or putting them on a gym regimen. They don't even know it, but Hey, I'm their big daddy. That's fine. Um, you could see for one thing, that's not a very healthy mindset and again we could go into logical <laughs> reasons for that but just first of all this time intuitively just like uh putting that one first this time around um it's just wrong you can feel it's wrong in your heart 
the head doesn't know that much. The heart knows more than the head. And the heart um, can be a, the only problem with the heart is, is when you're actually operating from the head, but you think it's the heart. So um, when you think your head is your heart, that can cause problems. Like you go, you know, crimes of passion or something. Um, that's not coming from the heart, you know, that's coming from an emotionally supercharged ego mind structure. You know, it's the mind. No one who is outside of their mind and just in their heart is going to be committing crimes because they will intuitively understand that their victim is actually themselves. Um, and so then there's no impulse to do that, you know? Um, so yeah, so I'd say basically what, what we're getting at here is that, um, everything is already just whatever happens. I think, you know, you could say, yeah, I see what you mean. It's good. You know, like, like well, we can all learn things, but you're kind of just explaining it away, you know, explaining away the problem. It's still not fair. Right. And again, I would say yes and no. Like you can say it's not the ideal. The ideal is maximal flourishing. So in a way that's justice and anything less is not justice. But in a deeper sense, I think it's, it's great to realize, well, it's, it makes sense to go with the flow and in your own life and then collectively as a species and as nations and all that and communities and families just to go, all right, don't resist what you can't re resist. That's insanity, you know, control what you can control and do it the way you think you should. Maybe you're not, you don't have perfect judgment, but do your best. And as you're practicing over time, you'll learn from your mistakes. If you never try to figure out what's right, then you're not going to develop your judgment. You're always going to be dependent on others and the people you're dependent on. How do they know anything? The same thing you would, you should be doing, which is just practice trial and error, figuring it out. And in communities through conversation, you can help each other understand and make progress there and so accelerate your progress and record lessons through time, through generations even. Um, and so, yeah. So yeah, no. <laughs> um, so uh, you could. It, it is true that um, the world life isn't fair in some in, in some way, and that it could be better, and we should aim for that. And that the hypothetical Buddhist billionaire is not really Buddhist; is just getting confused about, or you know, don't need to use Buddhist. Use whatever you want. Um, Taoist, in the kind of more philosophical, um, spiritual sense, or. Ultimately, I think no label is the best, like spiritual or just no label, you know, but like this is just, you know, often people um, who aren't so into the esoteric stuff, Buddhism might might kind of convey the idea a bit better, I think, but you could say, you know, Advaita Vedanta, um, I think even Sufism in Islam kind of um, and mystical Christianity, um, alchemy, there's all these ways which are basically getting at the same thing. The perennial philosophy, Aldous Huxley called it, like it's, in every culture throughout time um the um the toltec um philosophy um yeah basically you know the the yeah the wisdom um so but okay but i'm calling it buddhism just you know but um uh kind of um the awareness of oneness and the interconnectivity of all things and therefore and the um uh purpose and the um the ethic and imperative of spiritual awakening being um uh waking up out of the dream state of identification with thought 
and the the false self that our thought seemed to be us. And by understanding that we're kind of like an actor playing a character and we've thought we are the character and that's how we've been enculturated and trained to be and everyone around us is doing the same thing. And not to be freaked out by that because it can freak us out. Like, oh, that's weird. I don't like that. Sound. That, that sounds weird. I don't like that. That mustn't be true because it's weird. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe it's weird and true. Um, but to kind of um, awaken to this point of view where you see, oh, I'm actually the universe. I am everything experiencing itself as this one person. And everyone else is doing that. And so I, ironically and paradoxically, we're one, but we're many. We are different because I'm here, you're there. You don't know what I'm thinking. I don't know what you're thinking. But nonetheless, in a deeper sense, we are all one. So that oneness um, and and the awareness of love and the reality of that we are all, uh, love is like understanding that we are branches of the same tree and that we're all here together um, and we want to take care of each other and help us all grow. Um, and, and that part of that growth for us and that joy is naturally just... Um, elevating our consciousness and alleviating suffering and um, uh, following the path of wisdom and natural law and uh, virtue, balance, um, vitality and well-being for all sentient beings. So I'm calling that Buddhism, right? Um, and so the Buddhist billionaire dude, like he might think, oh yeah, this is all fine, but uh, in a way, yes, but in a way, no, you're, um, hmm, I'm going to have to, should I answer this phone? Um, no, I shouldn't. <laughs> you are more important to me, whoever's listening. Um, so yeah, um, they, su suffering is all acceptable on some level. But then um, on another level, yes, we, we should be um, people who talk about racism or, you know, the oppression of the military industrial complex and war. And then, oh, what is Putin doing in Ukraine? Um, all these things are valid on another level. But I think in order to interact with them in a healthy way, first, you need to understand the bigger picture, which is that everything is perfect. And then within that, we can start to address the imperfection um, from a grounded place and a healthy place. And otherwise, I don't think it works. Because time and again, you see well-meaning people and they just go off the path, go astray, I believe, um, because they're not grounded in this awareness of like basic things. Like, who are you, for example? Are you the voice in your head or are you the light, um, the invisible, spacious light within which the movie of your life unfolds, including your, your head? Your head and your body are just, you know, you don't see your head. You know, do you? Can you see your face? What's going on there? Oh, are you in your head? Are you like a little dude sitting with the controls inside your head, get behind your eyes, you know, cleaning, you know, with the windscreen wipers, cleaning your, the glass of your eyes so you can look out and peer and what's going on in the outside world? No, you're not in there, right? That's your brain and your own head. That also is an object within the field of your awareness. This is just a little t tangent, just to... <laughs> Maybe make you know make you think. Huh? Wait a minute. Do I know who I am? Go investigate. Because if we don't know who we are, how how the hell are we meant to know anything? If you and I would say, especially because the advice and the judgments, in the sense, or both in the sense of you know, well that's wrong, and also in the sense of oh that's real, or you know, 
right and wrong and also like true true and false right um if you're uh, i would say that yeah the, the the ego which is can be fine and normal a lot of the time more or less a bit dysfunctional but pretty cool but in extreme situa extreme situations when your emotions are really you know um elevated or you know kind of you're in stressful situations or if you're in a position of great power and there's these temptations then it gets way out of control and creates all these insane t terrible things um but that that's but in normal circumstances like hey you know like it's cool whatever like we're all in that most of the time a very small number of the population percentage of the population has transcended this false self so i think we need to kind of acknowledge it and just be like you know d tap d uh stigmatize it and taboo it and make people realize that it's even a thing first but just help people see like yeah it's just the way it is it's just we're growing up you know as a species um but yeah um so that's unhealthy in many ways but you know it's normal and it's fine a lot of the you know most of the time it's just the way we are we're humans you know we're kind of messed up um but you know and it's a necessary stage of learning so it's fine it's cool it's not a problem it's an opportunity um more it's truer to say it's an opportunity um rather than a difficulty so but that it will give you certain advice and judgments and then your soul or your consciousness free of that if you can just watch your mind settle into your body and your your breath and just be here and just okay you're settled you're not in the stream of momentum of thoughts and then let the thought thinking operate and you kind of guide it with your feeling you know um then you will hear all this stuff coming up from much deeper um these insights of like oh and you'll have different judgments and different understandings and you'll visually like physically be able to see you know the light in someone else's eyes and you'll be able, you'll be able to just notice things that you, you don't notice other when you're lost in thought your your spiritual vision your ability to just be here and in three-dimensional space rather than in the virtual reality of thinking um is elevated and so yeah if how are you going to solve all the to the extent that injustice is real how are you going to solve it if you're not grounded in um sanity and if you're not even awake you know how do you know you're going to make good decisions and so all right so segueing then into uh injustice i'd say yeah look um so just a, uh some things about this like so racism yeah hum, you know there's racism for sure in the world um and uh think you know throughout history obviously the one you know really obvious example that comes to mind is say slavery in the united states um and or at least for me in my culture and upbringing you see um that's like an obvious example um and that was really awful where human beings were sold as property and um demeaned and in order to justify that it seems the conscience because these people had guilty um the society seems to have had um, most of the people in the society, a guilty conscience, which they had to repress about that. They then justified it through, um, their culture kind of like someone who walks the wrong way and their body adapts. And then they get like a, you know, a hump or whatever in their back. Um, the, the, the culture kind of adapted to make space for this injustice. And then you have this kind of warped culture where they, they, they started to really believe that, um, oh, these people were worse than us. And um, and it does seem that apparently, like 
the racism followed slavery, not the other way around. Um, it was perhaps even just ironically that as the society in America had was very prosperous, had a lot of resources and um, limited government, which also tends to um, and decentralized systems tend to be very effective at flourishing. And so they had a more de decentralized system than the monarchies of the old world. Um, and so they were able to become more prosperous and therefore, you know, um, for those who wanted, which is most people become more educated. And the more you're aware of, then the more, you know, the more knowledge you have, the more ability you have to start to become wise as well. I think you start noticing contradictions. You start noticing doorways and, and knowledge doesn't equal wisdom, but, um, it's perhaps what happened there. Ironically, just thinking now is that as the society was becoming more aware, um, they started to notice, Ooh, the whole world engages in slavery, but is this really okay? What we're doing? And then maybe they decided to keep doing it. And so they had to, ironically, their rising consciousness forced them to become more unconscious by, um, create, you know, kind of instilling and pursuit deepening double doubling down into this culture of like, Oh, you know, the, the, the slaves are subhuman or whatever, but you know, um, say, um, the, the slave trade in Africa, you know, it wasn't white people, but just to put context on this, right? Like racism. Yeah, definitely existed there, but throughout, you know, the Roman, Oh, I don't know actually about the Romans, but say the English in Ireland, you know, they were being extremely racist saying like, they didn't see Irish people as the same ethnicity, you know, they were like, Oh, you know, they're subhuman and, you know, like literally, um, uh, at least some people, I think that even a categorizing Irish as like apes or something, um, I think even an Americans were doing that, like some Harvard medical journal or something in the 1800s. I think that's right. I'm not sure anyway. Um, and, uh, but you know, so basically you go, Oh, Hey, excuse me, sir. Oh, good morning, sir. How are you? Oh, I'm very well. How are you yourself? Oh, you're Irish. Ugh. You know, there'd be people, a lot of people who would be like, oh, and so this is racism, right? You know, as Martin Luther King said, um, well, he said, you know, we should judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin, which I agree with. That's the correct framing of how to be, you know, avoid the idiocy and injustice of um, racism. But um, so they would do the opposite. So that's just here where I am in Ireland. Um, and then, you know, um, I'm sure Irish people were doing it, or I presume, we're doing it to, you know, English people. We're doing it to others. Um, you know, obviously Germany was being, you know, racist a little bit <laughs> for a while. Um, and uh, then, you know, the Japanese doing it um, in, you know, where there's, you know, even these days about, you know, Southeast Asian, you know, migrants or in Korea. Apparently there's a lot of racism against, you know, people who come to work there from Southeast Asia. Um, but then they will be subject to racism in America. So, okay. Um, and then, you know, white people, you can go to Vietnam and apparently a lot of Americans because of what the military industrial complex did to there, which was awful in Vietnam, a war for profit, basically, it was based upon a false flag event. We now know the Gulf of Tonkin incident. There was no real, um, uh, attack they, they were just, you know, that is now, um, hundred percent verified, um, as I understand it, um, uh, so they were doing this awful, you know, sp spraying the forest, you know, killing everything so that the locals, freedom fighters couldn't hide from them. And um, right, you know, understandably, there's resentment um, among the people there towards America, apparently. Now, I haven't been there, but I heard that apparently, um, I believe my brother told me this, I might be getting that wrong, but I think 
that apparently, um, yeah, there are people who will be racist against white people because they go, you are the people who, you know, did these awful things. And so there's a lack of, of discrimination in like a, the good sense. There's a lack of awareness, discrimination, um, differentiation mentally to be able to see, oh no, you have the same color of skin as those people who did that, but you're not necessarily the same as them. Um, and you know, like, um, in Australia, there's racism against the Aboriginals, but then equally Aboriginals being racist against white people being like, Oh, you know, you white dog or whatever. Um, again, understandably it's the, it's unfortunate and it's unhealthy, but I think naturally humans were in tribes. And so, you know, we, we were afraid of other tribes cause they could kill you. Cause they're like, can we trust you? And we're like, can we trust you? So it seems like in often, um, the tribes would just kill each other preemptively or try to because they they couldn't quite trust and so then it seems actually like capitalism <laughs> basically solved these things perhaps i don't know but it seems like um interconnectivity and being like hey we have this we will give you some f we're leaving this food here it's a, a goodwill gesture and then the other people are like oh maybe they're not psychopaths they're giving us food but maybe they're trying to trick us but let's give them some stuff we'll give them some ale and then we'll see what happens keep a close eye and then interconnect and then maybe trading and interconnectivity we need you you need us just like america and china having trade relationships helps cool things down from the you know the kind of political geopolitical saber rattling and that kind of tension seems like actually interconnectivity helped us there but um but it seems we have this you know animals like boundaries and we're not sure are we going to get eaten or you know killed so we're you know, a bit jumpy. And so racism, you go, Oh, you don't look like the people I know. That could be a problem because I, I can't predict you now. Uh, I can't predict your behavior. And there's a great cost. If I make a single mistake, if I judge you, there's very little cost, right? Maybe I just miss out on a little opportunity, but there's plenty of other people I can connect with. But if I'm wrong and you like cut my throat in the night, then that's a big problem. That's game over. What are my children going to do? So you can see why there'd be this extreme um, carefulness with um, different groups, different people, different religions, different skin color, different languages, different systems or whatever, different clothes. Um, and then apart from that basic thing, then you have, you know, the revengeance thing and retribution where people go, Oh, you know, the English have been in Ireland for, you know, 800 years. Therefore I should hate all English people. No, like there's a difference between English, normal English people um, and then, you know, empire and colonialism and say, even judging the, the aristocratic bloodlines, which kind of oversaw this stuff and didn't in intervene and stop it. Um, uh, and in all likelihood, probably encouraged it for profit and um, their more narrow understanding of glory and advancement. Um, even them, like, you know, you, you can say, well, just because if, you know, this little baby is born, a new prince into the family, maybe they're getting indoctrinated and enculturated, if you want to use a softer word, into that system, but as, or may, but maybe not, and, you know, um, maybe, or maybe not fully, and maybe they'll be sympathetic to issues, the cause of freedom and justice, and, um, and just because, you know, aristocrats a hundred years ago were doing something, does that mean a given aristocrat now is doing it? Not necessarily, you know, so you can't jump to conclusions. But I think there is, what I'm saying here is apart from the natural racism of, which is a defense mechanism against danger, and it's reasonable in more barbaric situations when everything's nice and easy. Okay. Yeah. Obviously it's like, you know, not necessary, 
But you could see why in some situations, even you would probably be thinking twice about someone who looks different to everyone else. Because, you know, if it's a more dangerous world, the stakes are higher, then you need to be more careful and your openness needs to be, you know, a little less open. Um, and then the momentum of that doesn't just, I think there's a lag where, you know, the momentum of these um, cultural uh, um, approaches and um, attitudes and, you know, systems, um, customs that, uh, you know, an ideology and all that, that that doesn't just change as soon as the environment changes or oh, the world's safer. Like it seems to, it takes a while for things to kind of adapt. And that seems to be what's happening. Racism declining, um, violence declining. You know, Stephen Pink has written about, I don't know, I haven't read his book, but 72 charts that showing like progress, things are getting better. And in some ways they're getting worse, I think. But in many ways, yeah, it does seem that things are getting better. And as we've got more prosperity, people are chilling out and letting go of the old hostilities. Um, but then you need to be careful because things can change again. And then, you know, if we're back in a barbaric time, you know, solar flare from the sun knocks out the electricity grid and we've got an apocalyptic scenario, who's going to survive? The people who are really careful. And maybe it's going to, they're going to bring back some of those old prejudices in order to protect themselves. Um, and so it's unfortunate, but you can understand it. And I think a great thing, a great uh, antidote to the, the raw emotion when you sense injustice is just to understand it. Even if you, you don't approve of it, there's a difference between understanding and approving of something. Um, and so, you know, like um, I think there's a lot of things that have happened, you know, that happen in the world and I don't like them, but um, I try to understand them, you know, and I find that that allows me to be more connected to that higher dimension of awareness of real remembering we're all love and not getting sucked into us against them mentality. Oh, the, the w, WEF is trying to, you know, take away the freedom of um, the, the, the remaining free countries in the world, like, you know, which have property rights and, you know, limited government and oversight and that kind of stuff and less, you know, lower levels of corruption and trying to bring in this, you know, big brother state thing. It seems like that's kind of what's going on, right? I don't know. Maybe that's wrong, but that certainly seems be fully frank that's not the main point but that or oh this you know woke culture which seems like it's you know out of balance and risking undermining our tra traditions and our structure of society and well-meaning but not operating from that place of love so just causing chaos and problems and actually harming the people it's meant to be helping um china the ccp doing things which are you know i think are awful like you know um china cultural and seemingly more than cultural genocide of the the Uyghurs and all this sort of stuff like stuff where you know it could be pulling me away from the the oneness you know um and you could start you know getting angry at people and having us against them psychology but understanding helps ground yourself in justice and kind of see the bigger justice of okay this is all part of this big plan it's helping us grow um and even that i'm being forced to accept these things helps me become wiser and more grounded. And then I can express more justice individually by accepting these things. So you can actually put it to use in your own life by t carrying that burden and trying to accept it. Um, and you'll either fail like the gym, you do it to failure <laughs> or you, you, you'll fail or you, you do it and it's a bit difficult, but then you, you get stronger. It gets easier next time. So yeah. Um, so and then, you know, empire and so, but to go through things. So say like 
just a bit more specific now, like um, the details I want to talk about of like, you know, justice and injustice as it's expressed. So people say, yeah, racism is a problem. Um, yeah, true. But, you know, the racism is all around the world, you know. Um, in Asia, you know, like Chinese people being racist against um, Koreans. South Korea, according to Yeonmi Park, who's amazing, the voice of North Korea, she says, you know, there's incredible racism against North Koreans in South Korea. And they're the same ethnic group. But, um, you know, the language is a little bit different now. It's kind of like diverged a bit even more than it had before. Um, but it's only, you know, since what, the 50s, I think early 50s, um, 51 or something like that, that they separated, you know, into two countries. Um, but people who would judge you and go, oh, you're from that group, you know, and you could call that xenophobia if you want but you know basically it's racism that they're seeing them as oh you're another group and based upon your ethnicity your family where you come from we don't like you um and uh i think you know look at you know the um in zimbabwe you know robert mugabe and all his you know crew they were going down like you know burning down homes and of you know white families who are innocent you know Maybe some of them had, you know, done bad things or whatever, but like, you know, some bad people in any group, but there's wholesale, you know, um, appropriation of property and burning down of homes, killing families. Um, I believe this is what happened um, as far as I understand it. Um, and, uh, you know, think of that, like little, little kids just getting killed by like gangs um, because they were viewed as a kind of, um, parasite or something like oh we need to get rid of these people they're like devils or whatever it is you know um and then so there's i think the thing is realizing that all groups um oppress each and and then in africa you know the slave trade um there were africans were enslaving their fellow africans and then selling them to the europeans at that time in history the europeans didn't control like africa they had little ports um on you know the kind of west coast of africa and um, they would go there and Africans would sell them other Africans and then they would go and bring them to the new world and they would use them basically to grow sugar. And then they would use that sugar um, to sell, how would it go? They would sell, I think, the sugar and maybe some other agricultural project pro um, products, but mostly sugar to, I think, Europe. Um, and Europe would um, use that wealth then, I think, uh, to, well, they would make manufactured stuff, which they would like, um, send maybe to both, you know, Africa and, uh, the Americas, but there's kind of like a three-way thing of like, um, agricultural production, slaver slaves, and, um, more manufactured goods. Um, and so there's this, you know, dark economy, um, built up on slavery, but it was, you know, Africans enslaving other Africans. So what are, are they just the victims? They're, they're also the oppressor, no? Um, and also uh, sending them over to Arabia and, you know, as slaves. Um, and slavery has existed everywhere throughout time, more or less. Um, and the first, you know, um, I believe the first country which abolished it, um, there may have been others. I don't know in like ancient, um, I don't like certain cultures may, maybe you know i wouldn't be surprised if there's exceptions but in more modern history the british empire were the one and hey they were doing terrible things in ireland like basically genocided um my ancestors right and 
basically intentionally took away our language and um, traditions and freedom systematically like the British empire did. Um, and you can still see the trauma in the modern limits and it's very sad and tragic in Ireland's wonderful, but I, I feel like I can see all these ways in which we, um, we're still limited and, um, and burdened by the, the momentum of that trauma. Um, and nonetheless, I can say that, yeah, the British empire, they, they abolished slavery. They were the first major empire to abolish slavery in the modern world. And, um, and they said, no, we're not doing this anymore. Um, and then, you know, it spread around, uh, the world. Um, so, and, uh, but then nonetheless, slavery is abolished in theory, but in practice, uh, you know, incredibly like right now there are more slaves alive today than ever, um, existed during the whole history of the slave trade. Um, to North America. Um, and so, you know, that, that's not, um, I, you know, I guess the population of the world's bigger now. Um, so more population density, bigger cities and all that. So that kind of accounts for it a bit, but um, yeah, you know, there's enormous number of people who um, are enslaved now, but say you'll, you know, have people um, and I'm not trying to, you know, point fingers or make anyone feel bad, but just to generate awareness here, there's people who talk about like how America is such a racist country, but they never mention, oh yeah, or go try and help, you know, situations in the slavery that exists in India or in, you know, I don't know, uh, Indonesia or, um, or even the USA, but for like, you know, my immigrants who are, you know, or Ukraine or whatever, you know, um, child trafficking, you know, um, and so it's it's just this um, obsession with, oh, the the part historical slavery that fits some sort of narrative of like, oh, the, you know, we're better than you, you 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 know, you you're defending the white America, this anti traditionalist cult kind of thing, um, which might make you feel like all oh, just and you know cool, but it's like the um that society right now legally, um, you know, apparently you know Nigerians and whatever are doing great in the USA, you know, and people of other races or ethnicities can, can and do move to the USA and thrive. So how is that like a white supremacist country if that's allowed to happen? You know, that's very different to South Africa back in under apartheid or Nazi Germany or whatever, or, you know, um, Australia back in under the white Australia policy. Um, so these things just weren't allowed. There was this systemic systematic oppression. Um, so we need to, you know, be real and say, you know, that's not the case anymore. And for sure, there's going to be momentum and people who are still racist, but that's only going to get worse if you judge everyone and say, oh, all white people are racist. And, you know, t kids are being taught in America, like, and probably in other places, but um, this like critical race theory thing, like being like dividing, getting like little kids, being like dividing the room up into oppressors and oppressed by going, all right, so you're half Afri African-American and half white. Okay. So you'll be half oppressor, half oppressed. You Billy, you're full black. Okay. So you're good. You're just a victim, right? So good for you, you know? Um, and you know, there's, there's nothing you can do. You won't be able to get ahead in this society because it's a white supremacist society. The people who are literally talking like this to children, um, and oh yeah. And Tommy over there. Okay. You're fully white. All right. So you're, you're an oppressor. Um, so, you know, you, you'll, you need to think about what you did or what your ancestors did. So, oh, I, I'm Irish. I, I was genocided by, by the British, like, you know, like, oh, don't, don't, 
you know, don't interrupt whatever his name was. Um, and so you can see like it's, and then, but then you can, there's also that's race. Right. But then there's, you know, gender stuff, um, or sex, uh, the term I would prefer. Um, and so, you know, sexism, like definite sexism against women, definite sexism against men, you know, like, um, people in, you know, um, you know, you know, you, but of course, human beings, no one's perfect, you know, certain number of, you know, bad eggs on both sides are going to judge people for anything that they can, whether it's like, oh, you're different to me. All right, I'll judge you. Um, or I had a bad experience with a man or with a woman. All right, I'm going to judge you for it and see them in you, you know? Um, and then you have, uh, you know, homophobia, people being judged for, you know, the way that they, um, uh, who they're attracted to and how they want to express their sexuality. Um, or, you know, and then you've got all these different categories, you know, or, you know, class, um, uh, et cetera. And they, or, you know, um, politics. And then you've got, so you've got all these different um, uh, categories. And so they're all being multiplied by each other. And so there's this kind of thing going on and you may not be aware of this, but this is like the woke intersectionality culture, which is taking like the world by storm, um, uh, getting in, you know, very much in ingrained in universities and then getting into the HR departments um, of uh, corporations and stuff and into the media. And so it's really a, a big problem um, actually. And there's a lot of injustice going on and bad things being done and people losing their jobs and, you know, things that just aren't true being put forth as truth um, because of this imbalance. So this is a real injustice, right? That's a real thing. Overall, everything's perfect. It's just, but this is a thing that should be changed and we can change. Um, and, but, but the, so that it seems to me like, you know, basically a culture of like blame and it coming from a negative energy, you know, of not grounded in love or respect, you know, and actually ironically, it's like in this modern culture in say the West, um, r straight up, um, bigotry isn't tolerated. And so it seems that to me that bigotry has found a way through the back door by pretending to be anti-bigotry and going, yeah, like there's this bigot, you know, and he's like, oh, okay, um, oh, we can't be bigots anymore. We can't, you know, go lynch people and we can't, you know, f you know, shame the women if they, you know, um, try to work and get a job, whatever. Um, okay, fine. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Then, it, you know, comes back like, hey, um, I've been really thinking about this, guys. Yeah, let's, how about we go, um, we go like stone the anti-bigots. No, no, we go stone the bigots, you know? Um, uh, and being like, instead of being like, okay, yeah, we're all on the level, being like, oh yeah, it's not just that, you know, feminism, that women are equal to men. We're even more equal, you know? We're better than men, you know? It's like, well, wait a minute. Now you're judging people based upon their sex. That's sexism. You're becoming your own enemy, you know? Luke Skywalker, you know, killing everyone, being like, yeah, I killed all the, the Sith, murdered them chop their bodies up and turn them into pies and like, whoa, whoa, you kind of went dark there. You kind of turned into your enemy. You didn't win after all. Um, and so it seems to me that, yeah, there's this kind of thing where before we get to kind of more the maturity of just actual justice, it's, we've got, we've gotten to this period where there's still the remaining often probably subconscious. Um, but I think sometimes conscious and just, you know, really dark, psychopathic, narcissistic, you know, um, what do you call that? The dark tetrad or whatever. Um, uh, but yeah, um, which is uh, tr 
basically getting scratching that itch for being a bigot um by you know attacking everyone who's saying oh you're not you know devoted enough to diversity equi uh, equity and inclusivity let's go round you up and have you shot it's like oh interesting if you were born in nazi germany i wonder what you would have been doing if that's the kind of way you treat your fellow human beings um so yeah um oppression there is real oppression in the world say you know american empire invading sovereign countries for profit um russia um you know seem invading other, other countries for their own interests um saudi arabia invading countries for their interests um all, all over the world you know you see people um doing these things um i just i don't so much see americans or russians or you know arabs or um men or women or you know straights or gays or or whatever it is or blacks or whites it's just human beings doing this and your group will have some influence upon your um your habits and your behavior and your perceptions your beliefs and values but we don't need any of that we just look at what you do the content of your character as expressed through speech and action and that's how we sort things out you know um we don't you know you can use certain things like oh, okay you're from this culture okay so probably you're going to do this i think that's fine for like making your guesses but in terms of actually like judging people or um and you know kind of making laws or organizing society and businesses and you know institutions you can't be you know having pre-crime like oh you know you're from this group therefore this is the judgment it's like no it's um innocent until proven guilty right so um yeah all right let's see those notes there what do we got um uh yeah right so you have that splintering of groups yeah where there's like you know the oppression olympics like oh you know well i'm a one-legged lesbian um you know fairy fairy kin or whatever and there's kind of this narcissism which can creep in where and i mean you know these people there's real people who really like um kind of do take this stuff pretty crazy and so i don't want to you know mock anyone um but uh you know it really does like there's like uh it's just human nature you know um this stuff can get spiral out of control and so there's kind of this thing where people seem to be unfortunately victimhood is very addictive and tempting because you can feel without doing anything and just kind of slumping in in your soul you can kind of claim moral virtue and that's really dangerous you know um it's like a little you know success button press the button and you will be a success okay beep what does it do or you know it it spreads mis um spreads uh falsity and um cultural degeneration oh well beep i want to be a success um it's like so it's a, a dangerous thing um and you know i've you know felt like a victim and you know i've had to deal with that in my life like certain things feel oh woe is me so i'm not above that you know but um uh yeah so but people you know the saying oh you know i'm more oppressed than you it's like look hey everyone's got problems you know um and you might not even be aware um you know and someone could be like oh jamie you know like what do you know about anything it's like well you know you don't know my um problems and i don't need to parade it or whatever but 
let's just say everyone, you know, everyone has um, some experience of limitations and things which can um, cause them injustice and things where you might feel like it's not fair, you know, you're missing out or other people have it easier than you or they have better opportunities, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, you can't be competing with people that's for, toxic. It only causes you harm. Um, so competing about who's more hard done by, it's better to just go, okay, how can we get, how can I get myself and others up and moving and, you know, growing? And it's not through, you know, um, the, like dividing, perceiving the world as a, a bunch of, groups who compete for power and that's all um and there's this really dark mindset which is parading itself as love and it's not love at all you can feel it it's um it's yeah it's, it's a, re a really sick um culture um and yet it's helping us grow in, in awareness and find out well what what is compassion what does that really look like and how how is it that sometimes compassion is actually to say hey man uh what you're talking about is total nonsense that's not true and you might make someone feel incredibly anxious by saying that. And yet love and compassion might command you to say that because it's, it's um, in order to you know, provide that cultural balance and that the conversation we need to have. And so I think we're learning that balance between masculine and feminine compassion of the mother being like, you're perfect just as you are. And then the father being like, oh, come on, you can do better than that. Um, and, you know, or the father saying, hey, not good enough, or that's not true, or you did this, consequences. The mother being like, ah, it's all good. Come on, stay together. And hey, you know, you know, being more aware of emotions. And hey, let's do this. And let's, you know, um. So, but but yeah, I think uh, the um, oppression Olympics is not the way to go. It's more the uh, success Olympics and celebrating success. And those, you know, like Adele, you know, lost a bunch of weight, and people are, oh yeah, amazing, good for you because you know she's getting healthier. She's going to have less, you know. Uh, less uh apart from she's going to feel better in her body and she's going to people going to interact with her you know i don't know like oh well good for you you did a, a good thing because it is a good thing you know because you're healthier uh you have lower risks for all these chronic diseases um less inflammation your brain's going to work better this is all scientifically proven but then some people will go oh but you're going to make the, the fat people feel bad whoops you shouldn't call them fat the, the big people feel bad it's like hey if you're overweight i've been a little bit overweight you know, not a great deal, but in my life, you know, so, okay, I can understand the temptation to, you know, eat a bunch of food or there might be certain reasons involved, or I can definitely empathize where maybe finding the motivation um, to kind of um, say like a certain sources of pleasure can help balance out the pain in life and kind of, you know, that maybe sometimes we can't find a way to make the change. It's just frustrating. We can't get out of the the groove we're in. I can definitely understand that from personal experience, but in an, in other ways, but that lowest common denominator there. But at the same time, it's it's no good to people who are overweight. If you say, oh no, it's totally fine. There's no, no difference. Well, actually we know like, yeah, a little bit, it's no big deal, but like, like in general, yeah. Like if you have ex excess weight, you know, it lo lowers your uh, lifespan. It, um, it, gonna you know affect you know make it easier for you to get sick um you know d uh, viruses and stuff are going to be more dangerous to you um and uh, people are going to find you less attractive because naturally people like you know attracted almost always to um, kind of healthy bodies um and so you know you can blame them but i mean well 
So there's this thing where it's like, uh, she made did a, a you know a good thing. And it's like yeah, good for you. But then people go, oh, how could you do that? That's not fair. It's like well, you know, you shouldn't be saying that. It's like well, you know, there's a time and place to be like, no, you're great, you're beautiful, just like just as you are. But also, you know, hey, I go running once a week. We can go meet in the park if you want. But why don't we do it? So there's a balance there, and I think it's important to celebrate success. And but there's, anyway, there's that balance. That's an example of justice. Like where is the justice there? I would say it's more on you know, accepting people, but also pointing out the truth and not lying to each other just to make each other feel good. Um, so yeah. And, um, with, with the whole thing of, okay, what else we got? Like, yeah. Um, racism, victimhood. Yeah. Oppression, discrimination in the world. Um, a really cool thing I think is realizing, okay, yeah, there are people who are oppressing us. Um, and, um, and yet you can um, understand that they, the people who are doing that, that's not a healthy human being. That's not a, an awake human being. Um, that, that, that is a human being who is out of touch with themselves and who's out of touch with their heart and who is actually not a, not a happy person. They might feel happy. Um, and I mean, I don't know, maybe there's some dark, you know, elites who are into some occult stuff and they feel happy, but if they're not operating from love, you know, um, they're, they're not really happy. It's like someone who they think they are is maybe happy, but like, um, yeah, I think, uh, people who, whether it's someone who's being racist to another or someone who's classes, some oligarch, you know, controlling society and taxing people too much and being corrupt and, um, or it's sexists or whatever. Um, you censors who are censoring people, getting them off of social media because they've got the wrong quote unquote wrong opinion. Um, you can understand that have the empathy that yeah, these these people are doing that because of their own trauma and because of their own um intellectual and moral shortcomings. And that um actually you don't need to punish them and get some revenge against them. Um because you know they've they're they're punishing themselves. Um every moment lived as a bigot is a punishment. And so, you know, living um, the life of love is the, is the only real reward, I think. And um, every degree to which you're separated from that um, peace and that joy and that love of just being connected with your human family, um, that's, that's just an incredible um, suffering which they inflict upon themselves. Um, and then, so, you know, but then you might say... Um, Oh yeah, but you know, there's a place for more punishment. And I don't know. I think, you know, I don't know about that, but yeah, maybe there is a place people doing certain crimes being like, okay, your soul's immortal, but you know, um, you're going to get executed. You know, oh, you've been doing a bunch of terrible crimes. We want to deter that in, in future. Okay. Execution. I don't know. Like, um, there's always the case of that, you know, like if one in a hundred or one in a thousand is wrong, then we shouldn't be killing anyone. And maybe that's a good point, but then you could also make the case like, you know, we're keeping them in, you know, a cage their whole life. Um, then taxpayers have to pay for that. Is that fair? But I think probably, you know, like it'd be a small number of people who are actually doing terrible crimes. Um, and then, but I think in, in general, you know, you want to lean towards mercy. Um, and, but yeah, but, but consequences. Yeah. Like if people do things wrong, being sent to prison 
or you know having some sort of consequence as a deterrent definitely i think that makes sense like to say okay we want to make sure people don't do this in future so have some consequences um but then as punishment like oh you did wrong i think you know ultimately uh it's very deep but i i don't know if they actually had the free will over that or if that's like they were just out of control they're just asleep their soul wasn't at the wheel so maybe it's all just about rehabilitation and just get protecting others so put them in prison so they're other people are safe and try to rehabilitate them and treat them, see the rehabilitated person within them, speak to the soul within them um, rather than reinforcing, Oh, you're the criminal. You did this. That's who you're going to stay. If you're talked to that way. Um, but uh, so, and then, um, so yeah, I guess there's a little bit of thoughts about justice, but, but then, you know, the justice system uh, in private prisons in America, there's this incentive to have people imprisoned and um, the innocence project is this thing where um, these lawyers and people are working to prove um, this uh, seemingly a huge number of people in the USA who are imprisoned falsely on, you know, and you know, the uh, procedures weren't followed properly or there wasn't enough evidence or they just made a decision, but it was wrong and more evidence has come up. So they're trying to, you know, and they, they are successfully, you know, and in, at least in some cases, um, bringing people out of prison who have been put there wrongly, which is an amazing thing. Um, there's a few, yeah, you could look that up if you want. Um, but uh, also, you know, it seems like there's these vested interests, like one of the main groups who um, lobby against um, the legalization of marijuana in the USA is prison guard unions. And I don't know in other countries, but I think it's probably going to be the same, but um, beca because you know, an enormous number of people in the USA are in prisons because of just having possession of marijuana. So, which is insane because it's just a plant and, you know, alcohol is far more dangerous. Um, so, but, um, so you can see that's an injustice that should, should be corrected. Um, I think, you know, other injustices, well, the over-legalization of society, like, oh, you have a cliff and you need to put up a sign saying, don't jump off this cliff or you have a product and it's, you know, um, like a uh, paint for the wall and, and you have to put on there, do not drink <laughs> or else it's like, Oh, why is this there? This is, this word's gone crazy. Well, you, but you know, if they didn't do it and someone drank it, they, they could get sued. Oh, that makes sense then. Yeah. Wait a minute. What's the legal profession doing? Why are the judges thinking that's reasonable? Shouldn't they just be like, no, clearly the average person would know or should know that you shouldn't be drinking paint so that's not the paint maker's fault that's maybe the parent's fault or that's your fault for not you know sorry but maybe even if you're you know some people are just very you know simple and unintelligent you know and their souls are equal to anyone else but say as they're experiencing life through this body that brain you know can't compute information as efficiently and they might make stupid decisions sometimes you know um, no judgment, just that's, you know, a fact, um, there's a, a range of intelligence. Um, if those people encounter problems, you know, like we should try to help them, but you shouldn't be, um, penalizing everyone else for the consequences of one's own choices. Um, so I think I would feel like, well, shouldn't the system just be, yeah, oh, you jumped off the cliff and you, you know, got injured. Okay. No, no, we don't need to put up these ugly signs in front of the beautiful cliff saying, don't jump off or things that just make people feel like we're in the whole world is being treated like children. Like, 
don't drink the paint. Um, so that'd be a thing where I think the over-legalization of society where it seems like lawyers have, you know, and judges have gotten who are lawyers, right? Um, uh, the fingers and kind of everything and being like the, everything's so strictly controlled. And I think it's out of, it seems out of balance. Um, and where, you know, to start a business, you know, and then in government, incredibly bureaucratic and legalized as well. Uh, legalized. Yeah. Whatever. Um, so whatever the word would be there. Um, uh, but, but yeah, the, the, so I think probably, uh, simplification of the justice system would be good um but so other cases of injustice well i mean you know and th these are just examples where i'm you know kind of saying these are some of the things in our world which are not fair and they should be changed but this is all within that bigger picture i was mentioning before of like everything's groovy everything's great but say you know the, what we're doing to pollution pollution right the, the plastic in the ocean um to make glass only certain types of sand can make glass um based sand from riverbeds oceans seas that kind of thing lakes um not just you know sand in the middle of the desert um and so there's actually a shortage of that around the world and so well, enough to the extent where it's quite valuable and so you have all these mafias in like third world countries digging up beaches and destroying like local communities um in order to take the sand and turn it sell it so they can turn it into glass and whatever price that's going to fetch wherever it's going to be used um they can make good money and it's worth their while to do it. Um, so that's not good. And, you know, people worrying about global warming, it's like, okay, there's, there's some sort of, some issue to think about there for sure, but it's really dangerous where it seems like it's this one-sided thing. It's like, that's the only problem. It's like, look, what about all the, the sand which is being dug up to make glass? How, when did you hear of that mentioned by Greta Thunberg or whatever? Um, or, you know, Amazon gets quite a bit of talk. That's good that, you know, like, that's insane what's being done there. Um, uh, the plastic in the oceans. What about, you know, um, pharmaceutical industry, all the pharmaceutical drugs, which seem wildly overprescribed um, and from an industry which has been found guilty of fraud countless times. And um, the, the largest criminal fine in US history was to Pfizer, right? Like, I can't remember how much, but insane, like more than a billion, um, something huge amount um, fine for criminal conduct. No one went to jail, interestingly, but the company was fined and they still make a profit overall, which is insane. So you can kill people and make a profit, but, um, and not, no one goes to jail, but um, nonetheless, um, you know, there's pharmaceutical drugs in the water supply because they're just so overused all around the place. Um, there are you know, GMO seeds, which um, are planted and then they spread into the neighbor's field and the neighbor gets no compensation when they now have their organic certification removed. And the neighbor's just like, oh, da -da -da -da, going about using my GM things. There's no consequence there. You don't have to stop using GMO because you've over threatened their sovereignty. Now you've taken away their livelihood as a and their freedom to pursue natural organic production of food. Um, the charities who, you know, 90 or 95% of their money is just goes to the overheads and people just whining, dining and doing whatever, apparently not getting the money to the actual people who need it. Um, international aid, which seems to be fraught with rot and, um, you know, people just skimming off the top and, you know, dodgy regimes, just selling the food, keeping the money. Um, 
I mean, what happened during the COVID era with, you know, oh, not a, not a whisper about vitamin D or an active lifestyle or the Wim Hof method or, you know, the benefits of social contact on the immune system or, you know, um, fresh air and sunlight and all, all this stuff, or the fact that masks don't work. And they, they knew that. And then they, they were like, well, but maybe, maybe, maybe we can't be totally sure. And then they started it more like, okay, yeah, yeah, don't work. Um, but still, you don't, you still see signs on the trains here saying, yeah, wear your mask. Um, and so, uh, and people being um, stigmatized and having their careers, you know, being, oh, you can't work unless you take this experimental um, pharmaceutical intervention, which has been trialed for like a few months um, at the most. Um, and normally they need like a decade to make sure it's safe. So you don't have like cancer. And then now you have the enormous rises in um, myocarditis, heart inflammation, um, directly attributable to these um, vaccines or uh, gene therapies. Technically, they're not vaccines, um, uh, different technology, but they use the same name for it, possibly to make it more marketable um, and uh, acceptable to people. But um, so these are all injustices and the fact that people had their freedoms taken away and were treated dishonestly two weeks to flatten the curve, whatever. I did a whole episode on that. Um, COVID number 19. Um, but you know, that's injustice. So there are countless, I guess I won't just go list every injustice I can think of, but there's so many, you know? Um, but I think the key thing is just like, we need to understand that everything ultimately is good, but at the same time, paradoxically we can, and we should work to improve it. Um, and this gets to something I want to talk about definitely, which is, well, why should we care if, you know, why is it that suffering, you know, is, should be alleviated? And I think on one level, the simple answer is just because intuitively it feels wrong. Um, you know, you see a baby crying, you know, and you know, oh, the baby is sick, like, or, um, there's, you know, someone who had this dream and then a war breaks out in Ukraine and now they can't. They can't have their bakery that they wanted to open and and you know oh the the person they were gonna you know they loved is now sent away to the war and gets killed or traumatized and they're not the same person anymore and they can't even have a relationship or and swap out ukraine for yemen or afghanistan or libya or xinjiang or um province or whatever um so that's these things aren't uh you know, you just know like that's wrong. It doesn't feel good. Right. And so no smoke without fire. That's one thing. All right. Whereas you could say, um, and, and then also traditionally, you know, the stories of traditionally, a lot of things we do through trial and error or what food can we eat? Are you going to go and try all the blueberries or all, all the berries on the plants and risk death? No, but thank God our ancestors did that for us. And we have this folklore and we have this culture of an understanding of what, how to operate in natural world. Um, so you have nature and then culture nested on top of that. And then your individual life um, nested on top of and within culture. Um, and thank God for the, you know, culture can be tyrannical and so can nature, you know, um, famines and cyclones or, you know, totalitarian regimes or religious orthodoxies or whatever. Um, but then also very, you know, they support us. And so there's that balance, just something I think, say cycle back circle back to the woke culture thing they need to appreciate is like there's a lot of beautiful stuff in the traditions and you can't just throw that away you need to be very careful before you throw things away 
um, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. But uh, so intuitively and then traditionally, it's clear that, you know, okay, the amelioration of suffering or, the, you know, the alleviation of suffering um, is a worthy thing to do. Um, now, a nihilist can go, yeah, but I mean, like, think about it. It's all just protons, electrons, neutrons. Um, you can't prove that God's real or the soul's real. Where's the evidence? So, you know, I think we're all just animals and nothing matters and I can do whatever I want. And what's the point of it anyway? Like, okay, well, I agree. Well, I would say, you know, meditation is a proof. If you go deep enough, it is a proof of the existence of God. Um, you realize you are part of God and oh, consciousness is present. If this was an illusion, how would the illusion be aware of itself? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, so, oh, consciousness in order for me to say, yep, nothing exists, there must be something which exists to notice the lack of existence. Um, so that just doesn't make, you know, uh, in the most generous I could be, it's extremely unlikely that that argument makes sense. Um, so, but, okay, so that's one thing. But then also I could say, yeah, all right, let's take that seriously. Let's say, okay, yeah, there is no proof of God or, you know, free will or love or um, selfhood, or right and wrong, or anything like that. Okay, so you, so let's say there's no proof that these things exist. Where is your proof that they don't exist? Where is your proof that this sense, this natural sense we have, that love is real, um, life is real, um, the soul is real, people are real, we're all here. Where's your proof that this is wrong? Oh, you don't have proof. You have your theory, I have my theory. In my, at the most generous to you, we're even. And um, the most, you know, being even slightly generous to me, you have to admit that you basically are talking nonsense and it doesn't make much, it, not making a very co coherent argument because um, there's so much, um, you know, meditation, you can, you know, there's that whole thing about, yeah, and, you know, psychedelic drugs, medicines, whatever you can have this experience of oh, divinity. You can understand, um, get outside your mind and through meditation, you can get there. Of course, it's more sustainable, but I think both are useful. Um, but so, but at, you know, at the giving, conceding everything I could concede to you, um, you're still 50, 50, right. Um, that, you know, you say everything's meaningless. I say, well, everything's meaningful and we have an equal amount of evidence if I'm being very charitable to you. Um, so why would we lean if it's 50 50 why would we lean your way which history has proven leads to just chaos and um boring lack of bounty lack of flourishing lots of things which you in your personal life try to avoid such as discomfort um and it just feels wrong intuitively um why wouldn't we lean the way of smiling babies and blooming flowers and incredible artwork being painted and clean rivers and summer days in um, functional, prosperous societies um, where people are going about the adventure of learning and growing and sharing time and space. If it's 50-50, why should we go your way of just this desolate, dark, conflict-ridden, likely apocalyptic, um, and most of all, boring um, path? Um, so I think even if you go, if you're not going to go with the intuitive and traditional, um, and even logical reasons for, um, 
the importance of, you know, being ethical and alleviating suffering from our brothers and sisters and basically just believing in love and taking love seriously and not just go, oh, love that chemical you idiot. Like, um, you realize how incoherent you are, you know, like, uh, even if we don't take those things, it's only 50, 50, you say, there's no proof of love. I can say there's no proof. There's no love. And we're at an impasse. So why, why, what is it? What's that extra thing, which would make you lean the other way? So I'd say that's where justice, you need to take justice seriously and honor and nobility all come with that. These things which have kind of become passe or whatever, unfortunately, but unfortunately in a way, because I think it makes them more precious and it makes you notice people who are really paying attention, people who, people who believe in nobility and courage and honor and valor and um, goodness and virtue, you know, um, these are beautiful things and they're basically the devotion to love more or less i think and so yeah um let's see there uh yeah um so yeah and i would say by the way that applies to nihilist nihilists who are like oh no, nothing matters but also to um supremacists and like ideologues people who are like oh i believe in right and wrong but i just believe that we need to kill all this group or that this group is not, they're just, they're just animals, you know, they're not on the same level. Okay, I'd say the same thing it applies um, saying, well, you've got this theory and I have my theory. Where's your evidence? Let's weigh it up. I would say intuitively tradition with the historical evidence of tradition and what works, what's been found to be functional. And then just even logic, getting into the, the depths of it there, the little nitty gritty. The, the evidence is way on the side of love. So why just lean this way? Come on, power, just... Come here. Let's have a hug, you know, bring it in, bring it in. Um, so yeah. All right. Um, now, uh, there's a great poem, which I'm going to finish with here. Um, uh, which is, uh, what's well, not a poem actually, I think, well, I guess it is. It's part of, um, the merchant of Venice, Sh uh, Edward de Vere, uh, slash Shakespeare. <clears throat> so, um, uh, if I can get it right here, it's the quality of mercy Oh, so, so it's talking about the balance between justice and mercy. And interestingly, in this sense, it's justice as the justice of the sword or justice as the, you know, cleaving away that which is inappropriate. And then, and consequences, enforcing things with consequences. Say people who say, oh, there's all these people who lied or made mistakes and demonized the people, say, during this COVID era who were trying to sound the alarm and say, hey, this is really bad for the kids. They're not seeing faces. This is messing up. And now we see the evidence for this, you know, um, COVID babies or whatever, where they're like, yeah, they're just mm, a little bit behind schedule in development. Yeah. People were saying that the whole time that was going to happen. You knew, we knew that was going to happen. Um, and there's all, you know, countless things like that, where there's all these tragedies coming and that's just one thing. I'm taking an example, right? A little spicy, more contemporary example of justice. There's people saying, yep, yeah, people need to go to prison. Um, there need to be consequences for this because people have betrayed the public and they've betrayed their oaths and they have been criminally um, incompetent. Um, so it's negligence or it's corruption. Either way, there need to be consequences. Both some people would feel like to punish. I don't think punishment's um, necessary or wise. I think, um, but in terms of uh, and rehabilitation is really a better idea, but um, or trying to that. But um, protection, so people who are dangerous and could cause more problems, they need to be, we need to be protected from them. Limits need to be put upon their freedom. 
whatever's appropriate to ensure that that they don't cause further problems. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. That kind of thing. Um, and and yeah, uh, deterrent. So that's fair enough. Say okay, let's make sure people don't try and do this again. Um, so protection from future from repetition of the imbalances, and then also deterrent from. I guess you could say it's kind of a similar thing, right? Um, fair enough for that, I would say. But there's some people saying, yeah, put them in jail or others like, oh, no, no, you know, we are all under stress, you know, it's was, it was hard to know what was going on. It's like, well, you should have been paying attention and you were demonizing. It's not just, oh, yeah, these people who don't want to go along with everything, um, they don't want to get a vaccine. Um, I respect their freedom to make that decision. That would be one thing if you, but I think we need to do this. But the general prevailing culture was like, oh, my God, these people are insane. How could they do it? And making fun of them, deriding them, demonizing them, pulling them off of social media, all kinds of, and not just about vaccine, but many aspects of this, of what was going on. Um, and uh, so, you know, that's the question. Do we err on the side of justice or mercy? And this is just one question. It applies in all kinds of topics. But um, acceptance of our brothers and sisters as, yeah, all right, you know, we're all God's children. We're doing the be our best to do our best to do our best or whatever. Um, or do we go, yeah, all right, consequence time. And, you know, the gardener needs to trim here and there to, to grow the beautiful garden. And um, so anyway, this is kind of speaking to that dynamic and that balance um, from old mate Shakespeare. So the quality of mercy be not strained. It droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath. It is twice blessed. It blesseth him that gives and him that receives. Tis mightiest in the mightiest. It becomes the throned monarch better than his crown. His scepter shows the force of temporal power, the attribute to awe and ma majesty. But mercy, uh, uh, um wherein doth sit the dread and fear of kings but mercy mercy <laughs> lies above this scepted sway it is enthroned in the heart of god himself and what is it and Mortal, I can't remember what was it, and and mortal men doth no no that's not it. Uh, and earth doth, I'll make it up. And earth doth then look likest heaven when mercy seasons justice. Something like that. The last line I can't remember, but but you get the idea. Um, so I think you know at the end of the day, yeah, justice. We should go about that but at the end of the day remembering the love and that we're all together you know and um and that everything ultimately is um already perfect um and that this system is just the natural flow of the big bang continued the free will which created the big bang is continuing to create anytime you become still and, and align yourself with your soul and um become one with the totality and allow it to express through you as you with you um, and that, yeah, it's a beautiful play of, you know, this and that. And, um, but yeah, so I think, but it's a beautiful thing to, to have that, um, balance that, I guess, and this is what, what I think we need to do balance 
we all need to do. Um, balance that awareness of the perfection of things, which gives that reassurance and that peace with then um, the motivation to go out and kind of do things and, and kind of um, express uh, beauty into the world and to, in a balanced way. So you're not being lazy or um, uh, lazy or what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I can't find the word, but lacking in conscientiousness, right? Um, uh, not being careful enough. So um, being able to balance that and actually uh, take care of your responsibilities, you know? So there are my thoughts on justice. So I appreciate your um, patience. Uh, very kind of you while I uh, periodically um, search for words, but um Hope you found that interesting and um uh yeah may we may we all be noble and may we all uh balance the awareness of the perfection of this wonderful life we get to live um with also kind of contributing um our nobility and uh putting our what's it in the words of john lennon uh, uh putting our soul power to the karmic wheel so much love everybody